0: Hi listeners, it's Lainey from Crimes of Passion. Today I'm teaming up again with Molly Brandenburg from Conspiracy Theories for a special deep dive into the life and death of Princess Diana. A
1: note before we begin. This episode includes discussions of racism, self-harm, disordered eating, and death that may be upsetting for some listeners. We advise extreme caution for children under 13.
0: In early September, 1997, Charles Spencer walked down the aisle of Chapel Royal, where his sister Diana's body now rested. He readied himself to deliver the eulogy for his beloved sister. Somewhere in the middle
1: of the speech, Charles declared, of all the ironies about Diana, perhaps the greatest was this, a girl given the name of the ancient goddess of hunting was in the end, the most hunted person of the modern
0: age. There was no mistaking his rage at the paparazzi, whose car chase had catapulted Diana toward the crash that entered her life. As he
1: closed his speech, he heard a whisper. He'd later describe it as something that sounded like satisfaction. He suspected it was Diana herself, offering a nod of approval. Welcome to Princess Diana, the Royal Special, a three episode podcast special presented by Conspiracy Theories and Crimes of Passion.
0: I'm Molly Brandenburg. And I'm Lainey Hops. Normally, I host Crimes of Passion, and Molly co hosts Conspiracy Theories with Carter Roy. This is the
1: final episode in our series exploring the life, death, and legacy of
0: Diana, Princess of Wales. In the last two episodes, we explored Diana's life and the conspiracy theories that cropped up after her tragic death.
1: Today, we're going beyond the headlines to examine the lasting impact Diana left on the media, her global audience, and the royal family.
0: We have all that and more coming up. Stay with
2: us. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. with betterhelp visit betterhelp.com/conspiracy today to get 10% off your first month that's betterhelp h e l p.com/conspiracy
1: the royal family hardly appeared in the series of investigations that followed diana's death It's possible their silence was part of a greater conspiracy, like we described in the last episode, but it's also possible that the
0: royals kept their distance out of habit. The firm, an unofficial nickname for the royal family, has held their tongues during various PR disasters over the past century, long embracing the royal mantra, never complain, never explain. And when Diana died, they readily employed this tried and true tactic. But restraint was the last thing the
1: public wanted. As crowds gathered outside Buckingham Palace to mourn the
0: people's princess, the royal family was silent. One paper released an article headlined, Show us you care. The Sun asked, where is our queen? It soon became clear to the royal family that while sealed
1: lips had served them well in the past, that wouldn't be the case this time. So, on the evening before Diana's funeral, the queen finally delivered a statement via live broadcast. In it, she paid homage to Diana's generosity to the people and to her children. She even stated that she
0: admired Diana. But many found the speech hollow. After all... If she had actually cared, she would have ensured Diana's safety in the last year of her life. She would have protected her.
1: Nothing could bring Diana back now, but after her burial on September 6th, some of the public found it impossible to move forward without the people's
0: princess. Please note, I'm not a licensed psychologist or psychiatrist, but we have done a lot of research for the show. For many, Diana was more than the Princess of Wales. Clinical psychologist Stephen Turber wrote that Diana was a transference symbol, a canvas for the public to project themselves onto. In the late 1970s, teenagers sat
1: with their eyes glued to the television, watching the first royal wedding of their lives. Throughout the 90s, those same people watched as Diana became a mother, a fashion icon, a humanitarian, and finally... An ex-wife.
0: Even if she hadn't lived out the perfect fairy tale, people saw themselves reflected in Diana. And when she died, they mourned some lost aspect of their own personhood. Like Stephen Turber, British psychiatrist Raj Prasad suspects that women in Diana's generation had formed a deep bond with her, even though they had never met her. And because they identified with her struggles and likened them to their own, Diana's death led them to a morbidly dark place. According to a study in the British Journal of Psychiatry, in the four weeks after Diana's death, the suicide rate in England and Wales rose by over 45% among women ages 25 to 44. A deluge of articles about both Diana's own self-harm and the fatal crash may have triggered an obsession with death by those who were already predisposed to self-harm.
1: But even for those who weren't struggling with mood or personality disorders, Diana's death packed a hefty punch. An entire generation had followed Diana's fairy tale since she was a teenager, and they'd come to associate her with their nostalgia for days long gone. Her death reminded them that those days would never return.
0: While the entire world was in mourning, there were two people who needed Diana the most, Desperately, her two sons.
1: Upon receiving news of their mom's death, 15-year-old William and 12-year-old Harry were sequestered at the royal family's Balmoral Estate in Scotland. But once they left, the paparazzi zoomed to capture
0: photos of the grieving princes. Even during Diana's funeral procession, cameramen rushed in, shamelessly trying to capture one final money shot of the kids with their mother.
1: Many condemned the paparazzi for this, and several news outlets even relented. Both The Sun and The Daily Mirror released statements promising to leave Diana's sons alone. And the owner of Daily Mail announced that his papers would no longer purchase
0: pictures taken by paparazzi. To some... The show of sympathy seemed like an admission of guilt from the same people who had stalked Diana throughout her life.
1: And even with the paparazzi off their backs for now, Diana's two boys had a tough road ahead. After all, Prince William was set to be the future King of England. They both had royal expectations to live up to,
0: and with their mother gone, all eyes
1: were on them.
0: Coming up, Diana's youngest son finds himself facing demons his mother battled. Now back to the story. Diana had always defied the social norms involved with being a royal. She adjusted her schedule to spend time with her kids, publicly showed them affection, and worked to bring normalcy to their lives. Diana's choices as a mom reflect what she valued most, the commonness and humanity.
1: But in the wake of Diana's death, William and Harry were forced to move on without a mother and forge their own
0: identities. Between the two of them, 15-year-old William appeared more aware of his duty to maintain a good reputation. The year his mother died, he was already attending Eton College, an elite boarding school in England. At Eton,
1: he took up water polo, became a captain of his soccer team, scored well on his exams,
0: and even got elected to be a prefect for his final year. In 2000, he began studying geography at St. Andrews University in Scotland. In the minds of many, William was checking off all the boxes he needed to, and his accomplishments were applauded by a vigilant media. But Prince Harry
1: fared differently. At Eton, he scored lower on tests than his brother,
0: preferring sports and teenage debauchery to coursework. This may not have been all that surprising. Harry's mother died when he was only 12 years old. At that age, his identity may have been less solidified than his brother's. Psychiatrist Emily S. Harris followed 11 adolescents through the year following parental death. She found that, quote, Younger subjects seemed particularly sensitive to maternal loss and described intense longing for the missing parent and elaborate fantasies that provided ongoing support and nurturing. Overall, the younger adolescents remained immersed in the death. The older ones were able to escape.
1: But the royal family expected Harry to perform just as well as his older brother, and they had intense reactions when that wasn't the case. During one of Harry's final years at Eton, when he was just a year shy of the legal drinking age, Charles found out his son had tried
0: alcohol and weed. In most situations, a slip-up like this might warrant a stern conversation or even a grounding. But Prince Charles' response went far beyond that. He sent Harry to a rehab center in South London to speak with people affected by addiction. This intense reaction
1: to such a small rebellion might suggest the fear Prince Charles had about his youngest son's path. It's possible he worried Harry would have to be reeled in and managed, so he didn't become the defiant firecracker Diana had been.
0: Maybe Harry sensed that too, because in some ways he got his act together.
1: In 2005, Prince Harry joined the military, and in 2007, he served in Afghanistan.
0: Deploying was a huge moment for Harry. Throughout his training, he'd most look forward to having a hand in the action, but that too was ruined due to his royal title. His tour was cut short when his location was
1: compromised by media reports. By staying in Afghanistan, Harry would be risking not only his own safety but the well-being of the other soldiers he was with. He went home, and his patriotism was soon eclipsed by
0: less admirable behavior." Beyond his life in the service, the media made Prince Harry out to be a partying womanizer. If his brother represented his mother's decorous side, Harry embodied the rebellion that stemmed from her inner turmoil. His cheeky debauchery seemed
1: to echo a piece of advice his mother had once given him. You can be as naughty as
0: you want, just don't get caught. Diana had enjoyed her fair share of naughtiness. Of course, unlike her son, she usually had direct motivations for stirring up trouble. For example, in 1994, Prince Charles finally admitted to his infidelity in an interview, and Diana knew that the press would be all over her. So that night, Diana left home in an iconic slinky black number. If they were going to talk about her, she at least wanted them to have something to talk about. And the paparazzi caught it all.
1: For the next week, tabloids criticized Charles for his poor judgment.
0: A headline in The Sun read, The Thrilla He Left to Woo Camilla. Spending her 20s in the spotlight had given Diana a crash course in how to exploit it for her own agenda. But years later, her son Harry's run-ins with the tabloids proved a lot less strategic. In August
1: 2011, photographers caught him jumping fully clothed into a nightclub pool after ordering vodka, whiskey, beer, and
0: tequila. And a year later in August 2012, 28-year-old Harry went to Vegas, where photographers captured him playing strip pool with a naked woman in a VIP suite and then hugging her from behind. TMZ joked, Prince Harry put the crown jewels on display in Vegas this weekend.
1: Though he may have been trying to enjoy the remains of his youth, he was an adult now and coping with the same royal expectations his mom had once
0: confronted. In a podcast interview with Armchair Expert, Harry likened Royal Life to, quote, a mix between the Truman Show and a zoo, a captive animal constantly expected to perform. Harry said he used to think, I don't want this job. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. But in 2014, he seemed to reach a
1: turning point, the same as his mother had once experienced. In the second half of the 80s, Diana redefined her role as Princess of Wales by dedicating herself to charitable causes. Likewise, Harry hit his stride when he founded the Invictus Games, an international sports competition for wounded, injured, and sick
0: veterans. A few years later, Harry literally followed in his mother's footsteps in Angola. In the last year of Diana's life, She visited Wambo, Angola, which was recovering from a decades-long civil war. Diana walked a path where thousands of civilians had been injured and killed by landmines. Just a few months after her death, an international treaty banning landmines was ratified, at least partially due to the awareness she'd brought to the cause.
1: In 2019, Harry visited the city of Wambo, taking the same path his mother had taken all those years ago. He also promoted various charity projects in Africa, a region where his
0: mother had devoted herself as an AIDS activist. Like his mother, Harry tried to focus on the good he could do with his royal position, but it wasn't enough to keep the public scrutiny at bay, especially when it came to his controversial marriage. In 2016, Prince William and Kate
1: Middleton won over the media with their blooming marriage. Meanwhile, a new romance in Harry's life came under fire.
0: That year, he met Meghan Markle, an American actress and divorcee, then working on the primetime legal drama Suits. In May, 2018, they married and Meghan became the Duchess of Sussex. But for some in the British establishment,
1: Meghan didn't fit the mold. She was an American actress with a black mother and a white father who divorced when she was young. Vanity Fair described her
0: family as dysfunctional. The day of their wedding, Entertainment Tonight ran an exclusive interview with Princess Diana's former New Age therapist and spiritual advisor, Simone Simmons. In it, she claimed that the spirit of Diana personally told her that she was concerned for her son. The princess apparently worried that Meghan would get bored of Harry and cause trouble. The press spun it as a hurtful dig at Harry.
1: And when Meghan had their first child in May 2019, gossip columns questioned whether she was the real mother.
0: Tabloids also blamed Meghan for a perceived rift between Harry and William, which was sparked when Harry reportedly said they had good days and bad days. Among other criticisms, the media called
1: out Meghan's high society social circle and financial expenditures, depicting an unruly royal who needed to be reeled in.
0: Dr. Nicole Wilson, a research fellow at the Institute for Black Atlantic Research, suggests that this portrayal stems from something that has underpinned the monarchy for centuries, white colonialism.
1: The term refers to the structure that normalizes the occupation and exploitation of indigenous regions, The British royal family has long been a part of this structure, from enslaving African people to colonizing lands around the world. Even the royal family's famous crowns and jewelry are largely made from gems that the British
0: pocketed during colonization. This racist legacy endures in the UK. According to a national online survey taken in 2019, 19% of those polled agreed that some racial groups were born less intelligent. 38% agreed that some races were less hardworking. The first Black members of Parliament weren't elected until 1987. And until Meghan, there had never been a single non-white member of the royal family.
1: Since Meghan is half Black, her presence in the royal family challenges formerly held views of what majesty looks like. In many ways, her story seems like a reflection of Diana's, who faced her own share of bad press for bucking royal expectations.
0: The parallels between Meghan and Diana only grew when Meghan went to, quote, one of the senior most people at Buckingham Palace to seek mental help as she faced nationwide criticisms. This was a move Diana had made during her lifetime, at one point going to the Queen sobbing, asking for help with her marriage. And in both cases, neither woman received much compassion.
1: It seems that Meghan wanted a royal family member to stand up to the raging press. But Meghan said she was informed the firm would not, quote, tell the truth to protect her and her husband,
0: since she wasn't, quote, a paid employee of the institution. Across the years, press relations have remained a sore spot for the royal family, and the pressures Diana faced in her brief life became cautionary tales for her sons as they navigated adulthood.
1: Coming up, a royal exit in the name of security and entertainment deals in tow. Now back to the story.
0: The persistence of Diana's memory in the modern landscape of the royal family is unmistakable. But in January 2020, the Crown saw a new controversy that felt too eerily like history repeating itself. That month,
1: 35-year-old Prince Harry and 38-year-old Meghan Markle announced their
0: decision to step down from royal duties. The move was no doubt prompted by the tabloid attacks on Meghan, combined with a lack of support from the firm. The royal family apparently hadn't learned from the mistakes they made with Diana.
1: Adding insult to injury, just months after the big announcement, the royal family cut Prince Harry off. Though he'd received a sum from the crown to help with his life transition, from here on out, he was on his
0: own. This decision was likely daunting for someone who'd enjoyed the financial privileges of the monarchy his entire life. And importantly, Meghan and Harry's departure from public service also meant they wouldn't have access to royal security.
1: Being just a year younger than his mom was when she died, the threat of an insatiable press coupled with no security
0: services must have seemed like a serious danger. According to Harry... He and Megan spent the first few months in Tyler Perry's house, where hordes of helicopters, drones, and paparazzi came looking for them. They were advised to stay inside for their own good, but you can't stay inside forever. To
1: fund security for his wife and family, Harry relied on money his mother had left
0: him in her will. That came out to 6.5 million euros. That might sound like a lot, but by some estimates around-the-clock protection for him and his wife could be around 2 to $3 million. Their home also needed to be outfitted with security equipment to protect them from intruders and paparazzi. There was no doubt living in the spotlight came with
1: costs. And without the Crown's support, Harry and Meghan found new ways to foot the bill. That September, their production company signed a multi-year deal with Netflix, and in December, they announced a podcast deal with
0: Spotify. The partnerships brought them millions of dollars, plus the opportunity to spread a message to the world. Harry's role in the documentary, Rising Phoenix, highlights the importance of the Paralympic Games. It's a cause he's long been interested in, ever since he founded the Invictus Games for Wounded Veterans. The famous competition also received its own docu-series titled Heart of Invictus. But despite good intent, Harry and Meghan's agreement with Netflix came with backlash. Some felt they had betrayed their royal posts by capitalizing on their fame. Others claimed Harry was rubbing elbows with a platform that had quite literally exploited the tale of his own mother in the series The Crown. But Harry contended... I'm way
1: more comfortable with The Crown than I am seeing the stories written about my family or my wife or myself. He appreciated their fictionalized narratives present themselves as inherently embellished, whereas tabloids claim to be truth.
0: The issue is that even if The Crown is fiction, it reopened real wounds for the royal family. Following the show's fourth season in August 2020, in which the young Diana Spencer, is both courted and condemned by Prince Charles, the general public expressed outrage at the prince in real life.
1: Though Charles was used to public scorn, the tabloids had been quiet since his marriage to Camilla in 2005. The Crown's rehashing of old drama brought heat the couple hadn't experienced in over a
0: decade. The Hateful comments toward the two on social media led the Crown's official Twitter account to disable replies. Whether consciously or not, the producers had swayed public opinion on the royals, and they seemed unwilling to face the intensity of people's emotions. But the outpouring of sympathy, even
1: empathy, for the late Princess Diana reveals that the fictional portrayals of celebrity lives often inform the way we remember them.
0: While the press once made a villain out of Princess Diana, today's more feminist entertainment landscape portrays her in a new light. The Crown shows Diana's struggles beneath the weight of a stifling monarchy, as well as her trials with bulimia. Suddenly, she was no longer the scheming divorcee, but the helpless fawn thrust into a life too burdensome to manage. In many
1: ways, viewers in the present day can see themselves in that plight. But even if we identify with Diana... Watching the heightened fantasy of her life in The Crown is not the same as knowing the real woman.
0: The most recent portrayal of Diana is in the 2021 drama, Spencer. Kristen Stewart plays the Princess of Wales arriving at Sandringham House for Christmas festivities in 1991. The film presents this as the time when Diana first confronts her imminent divorce. The film was criticized
1: for embellishing Diana's hardships and turning her story into a psychological thriller, featuring hallucinations, a visit from 15th century Anne Boleyn,
0: and up close vomiting shots. Such heightened portrayals of historical figures like Diana call into question how fair it is to stray from the truth, even in a work of fiction. There was a real person at the center of the story, one who never had control over how she was portrayed, not even while she was alive. But for better or worse, that's the game she chose to play by becoming a royal. From the moment she married Charles, her life was no longer her own. She was a public symbol. The media will persist
1: in their retellings of Diana. And as time goes on, each new narrative will give her life new and different meanings. Like a kaleidoscope, her image constantly shifts to become whatever the world needs her to be. A princess, a humanitarian, a victim.
0: We'll never know who Diana would have been if she was still alive today. But in her short time here, she made an impact that keeps reverberating through the decades. Thanks for tuning in. This wraps up our exploration of Princess Diana, but we'll resume our normal release schedule on Conspiracy Theories and Crimes of Passion next week. You can find more episodes of Conspiracy Theories,
1: Crimes of Passion, and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. As a note, Archwell Audio, the company started by Harry and Meghan, currently maintains an exclusive partnership with Spotify. See you next time. Crimes of Passion and Conspiracy Theories are Spotify originals from Parcast. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler. Sound design by Scott Stronic, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Nick Johnson, Trent Williamson, and Carly Madden. This special episode of Crimes of Passion and Conspiracy Theories was written by Lauren DeLille, edited by Amber Von Schassen and Kate Gallagher, fact-checked by Haley Milliken, researched by Mickey Taylor and Chelsea Wood, and produced by Bruce Kitovich. This special episode of Crimes of Passion and Conspiracy Theories stars Molly Brandenburg and Lainey Hobbs. (laughs)